This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the preview show brought to you by the Known and Never podcast. I'm your host Natalie Bromley and this week we are looking back at that very, very well-earned point away at Brighton. Wondering where we're going to pull a, a left back from for Everton's visit on Saturday, how we sort out our striker problems and generally look forward to the King with Sean Dyche returning to Turf Moor. I'm joined by regular panellist Robbie Kopak and of course Dave Statman Roberts who's going to give you all the facts and stats ahead of the weekend's game. So, let's go. Gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the preview show. Dave, very colourful background there. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, we'll, we'll have some snowflakes on for uh, nearer to Christmas, but it's not <gasps> not quite... Oh, you big tease, you, you big tease. And a Santa, I'd love to see you dressed as Father Christmas. That would that would be a delight. Um, Robin, this is this is very we're welcoming you back again. Loving how much you're on the show this season. This is very old school. This is very 2020 preview show, us three being on. Mm-hmm. And I do like it. It's a bit retro. For our long-standing listeners, we'll remember our trio of dulcet tones on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. How are you? Yeah, good. Um, I think it's longer than 2020. I think it was more of 2018, wasn't it? I think? Was yeah. it? Yeah, remember we used to spend uh, 15, 20 minutes after the game outside turnstiles recording as well. We did. I remember that. We used to do immediate, way before TikTok and Insta stories and and YouTube shorts, we used to do immediate game reaction. We used to to huddle in the doorway outside turf and be like, that was, we used to, yeah. We did did one. We did one on a boxing day after Everson beat us 5-1. So this is very fitting. (laughs) Wonder why this was in our immediate uh, mindset. So let's dive straight in. <laughs> yeah, let's dive straight in, Robbie. Do you know, I really need to get the team known and ever mugs. We all sit here when we're recording with brews on. I've got a Jaws mug. Robbie's got some kind of stylish zigzag. Yeah, yeah, Ikea, I think. Yeah, Dave's an absolute pro and doesn't bring his brew on. So I'm going to get you all known and ever mugs, so at least we'll be on brand. Mm-hmm. That would be a good thing. So, Robbie, last Saturday... We went away to Brighton. We fully mm-hmm. expected that we were going to get absolutely battered. We didn't. We played very well. We took the lead. Couldn't quite keep hold of the lead. But I would suggest that very few games in the Premier League uh, finish without one of the, both sides scoring at least mm-hmm. one. So I think that's fine. Um, you have to score two or three to win a Premier League game, I think. Um, weathered an absolute storm towards the end and came away with what on paper looks like an incredible point. How are you feeling after that? Yeah, good. Um, it was almost we've 
a lot of the criticism that Vincent Company's got is that he sticks to his principles and he's trying to play out from the back. I think we've seen it. Yeah, we've seen it in the last like three or four games where he has adapted. Um, I think the West Ham game was a real kick in the teeth for him. And I think he's realised that we have to do better in terms of seeing out games. Um, I thought we were a lot more pragmatic at Wolves, a lot more control, a bit more patience, more methodical. And then Brighton, yeah, we took the lead. And then second half, it was almost very Sean Dyche-esque, really. It was was two banks of four, two banks of four, low block. And we just couldn't hold on. We even went to a back five. Because um, some of the criticism that again the company got that he didn't bring Ekdal on at West Ham this time mm-hmm. he did. Uh, so yeah, he's he's showing that he's listening to us because we know better. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, gosh, you just you know no. it's only taken him sixteen games to realise he should be listening yeah. to us. He, he no, had a don't... similar thing on very quickly before you move on. He had a same similar moment to the Championship last season when we had those. Yeah that early patch where we were drawing every single game and throwing away leads in the dying minutes. And there was mm. that game, I think it was, I can't remember which game it was, but he brought Charlie Taylor on in the dying minutes to see out the game and yeah. he went to five at the back then. Um, and that's when we started to turn it around. So it feels mm. very similar, doesn't it, this season to that? Yeah. Yeah, and it's. I think uh, like Burich are having very similar sort of criticisms as well around that period. Mm. And like with similar like Trafford. And again, Trafford's improved in the last like two or three mm. game weeks as well. He were, like obviously we'll probably speak about his performance at Brighton anyway, but we'll do it now. Let's let's he, let's go on now. Talk about yeah, that performance. It, yeah, he looks far more again. It was very Nick Paul-esque. It was very very <laughs> 2019, 2020, wasn't it? it was, we've gone back in time. We've stolen. Yeah. We've gone back and we've stolen the 2019 Burnley side. Yeah, that that um, that that Matoma save in like dying seconds is unbelievable. It really is. Like, it really, I is. was when I was watching it, I turned away thinking it's gone in. God, yeah, same. I it was like, oh, oh my god, where's that come from? And I think yeah. as well, and and the column that I wrote uh, for for my online blog this week was was this very point. And I think he's had a very difficult start to his season, and he's some of the criticisms maybe been a bit echo chamber because we've all just it's, it's been compounded and and regular mistakes and the silly mistakes get me the the sloppy passes and they're just switching off. That's the when I get really annoyed. Um, as long as somebody's trying, then that's fine. Um, some of it's legitimate criticism and some of it's just been frustration that it maybe feels like has been thrown in at the deep end too soon. But my point that I made this week was, if you are quick to criticise a player when their performances don't match up to the expectation that you have, you should be even quicker to praise them when they do. Yeah. And... He got nothing wrong at the, uh, at the mm-hmm. Brighton game. And I just thought it feels like it was a defining performance for me. Do you think that's a little bit dramatic to say that? No, it did, it did feel like a turning point for Didn't him. Didn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, I think every single Burnley fan sort of united behind him. I yeah. think it's the first time we've seen it. And obviously yeah. like the media praise behind it as well. So... Yeah, I don't, I don't. I totally agree with you there. Yeah, one of my favourite stories coming out of the weekend was this story that apparently because he was so in the zone and he was so and he couldn't remember like the ten of the eleven mm. saves that he had to make, and apparently he was just so exhausted that he sat down in the tunnel at Brighton and just on his phone watched the immediate like watched the montage <laughs> of his saves on the immediate replays. And I was like, I just love that idea that he's just sat there completely exhausted, mm. shin pads off, just sat there going like, "Wow, what did I just do?" And I really hope. 
because as much as he said he's going to sit down with his technical staff and go through them all with a fine tooth comb and see if he did do anything that needs improving. But I also hope that he does allow himself that moment to sit there and, and absorb that that confidence and go, you know what, I did my job really well at the weekend. Because if he if we're asking him as a young individual to to take the criticism because we're fans and we have a right to analyze a game, then do you know what? He's got every right to sit here and let that that cockiness and that swagger seep in and go, I did my job well on Saturday and I'm going to pat myself on the back for that. So does that for now put to bed the Trafford over Murich, Murich over Trafford debate? I think it does. Mm-hmm. I think he now has earned his rights to carry on for a bit and see if he can keep that jersey for the rest of the season, which is some yeah, turnaround considering what we were saying. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, yeah, not much else to add really. He's, he, he is a very cool character, isn't he? Like, mm. I, I, there's been some comments saying that he looks like confidence broke and stuff like that. I've not actually seen that at all. I've not seen that. No, I, never I, I, saw I think that. he's ice cold, absolute. Yeah, tons I of also don't think he's paying too any much attention. I don't think he's yeah. paying any attention to what the fans are saying. I think he's quite. I think. Yeah. He, I think they cut that noise out. I think he's just like whatever. I'm never yeah. going to please everybody. I don't think he cares about yeah. that. You can tell he's been under the guidance of like Pep because he's got that elite mentality properly. Yeah. Yeah, where it's I like agree. you can tell that like a bit like how a good striker doesn't, you know, rude miss chances. He'll just go put the next one away. Yeah, yeah. I think as a goalkeeper, I think he's if he makes a sloppy pass, he's not bothered, he's just gonna do the same thing get over again and get it right. Yeah, completely agree. And also as well, he is now is the number one, he's not the number one jersey for the for the young lions. So you know, he's the under twenty one mm-hmm. keeper. He will step into the number one jersey for the senior men's, he will take over from Jordan Pickford at some point when he matures. So they will be working on that elite athlete mentality as well. Yeah. Um, the only thing we need to mention from the Brighton game is the is the the goal. Um, we were worried when Collie O'Shaw got injured, is out for the rest of the season, which is a real blow to our attacking threat. Wilson Odebird just stood up and went, Yeah, I could do this. Um, a very impressive debut-ish performance. I know we've seen him this season, but not that many minutes what did you think yeah excellent um some talent right is it three goals in four starts i think is it something like that yeah yeah he's he's against chelsea and scored and salford in the cup wasn't it yeah correct um yeah uh he had i I think it was the jay rodriguez has very cuts in and then goes back onto his left and has a like full back on his ass and stuff like he's yeah (laughs) he's, he's 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 good. He's a bit. He's not quite the direct replacement to Coley Osho. He's not got that same pace, but no. really close ball control and agility. And he's obviously got a shot on him as well. So, yeah. and yeah, he's, he but looks, he's it's enough. It's enough to 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 get us to find us that attacking mentality for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. We're not gonna we're not gonna replace Coley Osho. We're not gonna be able to no. replace him. We'll have to just wait for him to come back next year. And it might he, he might not even be ready for the starters next season. If he's done his ACL, it might be even longer. So, yeah, I thought it was a promising start. Um, OK, well, we'll go on to our left-back problem and I guess what else we do uh, when we come to have a wider commentary about that Brighton game. So let's hand across to, of course, the King himself, Statman Dave. Uh, we are covering... See, Burnley starts Statman Dave. You should, yeah, you should have the, like the... Like, Castle behind you and a big crown. Um, we are, of course, gearing up to the big one, a real high-pressure game. It's Everton at home. 5.30 kickoff this coming Saturday, the 16th of December. It is live on Sky Sports. 
And my goodness, is this a game that's going to impact the bottom of the table. Before we start our analysis of that game, Dave, we've got a quiz to read out. Um, it's going to have a similar theme. What are you asking our listeners to think about throughout the duration of this podcast, please? Right. Well, three current Everton players are former Clarets, uh, namely Michael Keane, who's already played more than 50 league matches for both clubs. Uh, James Tarkovsky recently passed the milestone, his 50th league match for Everton, obviously played quite a lot more for Burnley. And Dwight McNeil will reach the milestone this weekend if he plays. It'll be his 50th Premier League match for Everton. Wow. Uh, but can you name any of the other six players uh, who've achieved 50 or more league appearances for both Burnley and Everton between World War II and the end of last season? Ooh, OK. Uh, you know, the drill listeners, have a think about this for the duration of this podcast and we'll give the answers at the end of the show. So, Dave, let's kick off then. You are going to give our listeners... What are you going to give them? Where has it gone? Where's my thing? Match results summary. There we are. How do I not know that already? Match results summary, please, Dave. Uh, yeah, there have been 57 previous league matches between Burnley and Everton at Turf Moor. Burnley have the upper hand with 26 wins, uh, and there have been 15 draws as well as 16 victories for the visitors. All but one of our seasons together have been in the top flight, uh, with the exception of the 1930-31 season, uh, which was in the second division, although they lost at Turf Moor that season, Everton went on to be promoted as champions. Uh, on to more recent times, the Burnley have picked up five victories in our eight previous Premier League home matches against Everton, with one draw and just two defeats, one of which we'll come to very soon in our Want to Forget feature. Uh, looking at the 57 previous home league matches, Burnley need to score twice this weekend to take our goal tally to 100. Currently, it stands at 98 for Burnley and 77 for Everton. Lovely stuff. OK, well, you're moving on to our next section, which is our new feature, One to Remember, One to Forget. Throughout this entire season, we're going to be reminding you of a couple of past meetings, um, which are going to have very contrasting memories. Uh, Dave, are you going to get One to Forget out of the way first? Uh, I think we'd better had, yeah, <laughs> already. Uh, Boxing Day 2018 was certainly not a day to remember for Burnley fans. As Sean Dyche's struggling claret side conceded as early as the second minute and after being three behind after just 22 minutes, went on to let in five goals for the first time at Turf Moor since a 6-1 defeat in to Manchester City in April 2010, a game in which Vincent Company played. Yeah. Uh, despite Ben Gibson scoring his only goal for the Clarets, it finished 5-1. And I suspect even the optimists among us left the ground thinking our chance of survival were hanging by a thread. Uh, that defeat left us on 12 points at the halfway point of the season. But as we know, there was revival in the remaining 19 matches. And we retained our Premier League place the following May. Good stuff. OK, match number two. I'll want to remember, please. Well, yes, we've seen a few memorable home victories over Everton in recent seasons, as well as the 1-0 win in August 2009, when Wade Elliott's goal was the decider. We saw a last-minute winner from Scotty Arfield in October 2016, a comeback victory in March 2018, another 1-0 win in October 2019, when Jeff Hendricks scored the only goal. But we're going to focus on the last time the two teams met at Turf Moor, that was in April 2022. Uh, Nathan Collins' volley made it 1-0 in the 18th minute, 
but the visitors came back to lead 2-1 at the break after two penalties from Richarlison. However, further goals from Jay Rodriguez and a memorable 85th-minute winner from Maxwell Cornet secured all three points of the Clarets in our fight for survival. Uh, this, strangely enough, was the last time that Sean Dyche took charge of a Burnley match at Turf Moor. Oh, a 2 0 defeat at Norwich City, just four days later, appeared to be the final straw. And five days after that, on Good Friday, we were rocked by the news that after nine and a half years, Sean Dyche's time at Burnley was at an end. Gosh, doesn't that feel like an absolute lifetime ago now? I don't it think does. any of us saw it coming. We we were whinging about it. we were we were fed up and I remember how miserable we all were, but I, it does feel feels like a very odd yeah. time. Very odd yeah. time. Yeah, the, the the post feeling after that Norwich game was grim. Yeah, it was. It was the I right, remember yeah. I remember that. It, 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 was, it was the was right a, time. We were the early kickoff on the Sunday, I think. Yeah, we and were. It, yeah, it was yeah, it was <laughs> yeah, we were all so down in the dumps. But also, like I say, it genuinely was. It was absolutely the right time, like not even close. But it's still, it's still sad. Uh, we'll come on to this in a minute, but I, I'm going to be really, I am going to be sad when Dash comes to turf on Sunday and even on Saturday, sorry, and even more sad when they absolutely paced us. But, you know, let's not worry about that for now. Uh, okay, um, we do have an opposition for you, Voy. An opposition for you. That doesn't make any sense, does it, listeners? We do have an opposition view for you this week. We spoke to Everton Everton fan Ian Throwfold, who gave us his views ahead of the match. Ian here, resident and for once very happy Evertonian, giving you the opposition view for Sean Dice's return to Turf Moor this weekend. We enter the weekend having just got nine points in eight days with our wins over Forest, Newcastle and most recently Chelsea, meaning that despite our 10-point deduction, which we are appealing by the way, we still sit outside the bottom three and in fact four points clear of it. The point deduction has done the impossible in managing Chennai Everton's fan base, team and even board. And the gaffer has even got us playing a very distinctive Everton style of football, a style of which you'll probably be very familiar with. For the first time in a few years, things are looking positive again, and we'll be looking to repeat the 3-0 win back in November in the EFL Cup, but know that Turf Moor isn't an easy place to come. And with Everton's young star centre-back Jared Braithwaite suspended after picking up a fifth yellow in that recent victory against Chelsea, our small squad depth is again going to be tested. But score prediction time, both teams are hard to play against, so we know it's not going to be a goal fest, but I feel the momentum is in Everton's favour, and I'll predict a hard-fought 1-0 win with a second-half Dwight McNeil goal. Up the toffees. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order mug delivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, I'm going to put my teeth back in and learn how to speak 
properly while well, i hand back over to dave from referee details please yeah referee details for this weekend uh 45 year old anthony taylor of withenshaw in south manchester with a man in charge this weekend the man in the middle should i say uh that's something we won't be able to say for our next match against fulham if you'd heard the news i that, have uh, heard the news dave what's happening uh, we have a female referee for the first time in the uh, in the Premier League. We'd have female officials. We've had uh, fourth officials and uh, assistant referees, but not uh, not the main referee with the whistle. So it's going to be um, forgotten. It Rebecca. One second. <laughs> I've got it here. I've got it here. Hang on. Fill fill up fill up everybody. Make it uh, la 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 la. Rebecca. Welsh. Welsh. Thank you. Yeah, there we well, go. That was outstanding podcast, Rick. We'll just <laughs> make our listeners wait. That will all be edited out. <laughs> mm, yeah, I'll, I'll remind producer Matt. So, yes, we do. I am unbelievably excited about this. I think it's it's justified. Um, it doesn't surprise me that they've picked a couple of sides towards the bottom-ish of the division to put this on. I, I can imagine... Um, it, this is wrong uh, as an approach, but I imagine if errors were made or it didn't quite react and it was a refereeing against City against, I don't know, United or Liverpool against Spurs or something, then that would have a very negative impact and would take a few steps backwards. But um, hugely promising. Uh, I'm very, very pleased. Um, we will talk, actually. Um, we're going to hand over very quickly to... Actually, now might be a very good time to do this, actually. Let's do this now uh, because we, this week, while we're talking about females within the sport, this week, our girls um, had an absolutely spectacular win on Sunday in the third round proper of the FA Cup, Women's FA Cup, winning 11-0 um, to secure their place in the fourth round proper. Um, that is the round that the WSL teams come in. Um, very exciting. Um, it was streamed, the draw was streamed live on their Instagram account, which was just I've not been that excited for a, a, a cup draw in a long time. Um, and we sent Tom, our very own Tom Whitaker, to the game um, to have a very enjoyable afternoon watching 11 goals go in. And um, he gave us this match report summary. So let's hand over to Tom briefly. Evening. Just thought I would give uh, no, no, never listeners a quick missive from the uh, the women's FA Cup game on Sunday. Uh, Cowden Court versus Burnley. Uh, it, was, it was in the Midlands. It's just handy for me. So I went along. Um, very fortunate to be there. Fantastic uh, display of football. Cannon Court, very small club. I think they're originally a college club, a couple of levels below Burnley. Um, so I did, I did think I was hopefully travelling uh, with the prospect of a win, but you don't expect to win 11 nil away from home. Uh, yeah, it was a fantastic display. You know, it's amazing to see a Burnley team that dominant. Cannon Court could barely get out of their own half, barely get out of their own penalty area at times. Three hat tricks from three different Burnley players, which is amazing. Just look levels and levels above. We've got a good team this year. Uh, it's a, a good little cup run starting to form now. We've already come through three rounds already, and we've scored, uh, I think it's 22 goals in those three games already, which is pretty phenomenal. Uh, Birmingham City in the next round. That's Sunday, the 14th of January, uh, the day before the Luton game at Leyland. Uh, yeah, it'd be great to have a few down there. Um, it's uh, Birmingham are in the Championship mid table. They've been women's Super League before, so it's a pretty big fixture in that in that sense. But it's also winnable, so it would be very good to see them test themselves against a team from a high division. And uh, fingers crossed, the cup run can continue. Okay, 
sorry, Dave, we got sidetracked with referees and female referees and now the women's game. Back you go again. Pick up where you left off. Well, we were halfway through the referee, so we'll, we'll we carry were. on. Let's finish that. Let's finish that, Dave. Yes. <laughs> Going back to Anthony Taylor, his matches involving the Clarets go back over 15 years to 2008 and have produced seven Burnley wins, six draws and ten defeats. He's managed to keep his red card in his pocket for all of these previous matches, uh, but he's shown 32 yellow cards to Burnley players and just 20 to our opponents. He's also refereed two previous matches between Burnley and Everton, namely a 1-0 home win for Everton at Goodison Park on Boxing Day 2019 and a 1-1 draw between the two teams at Turf Moor. Uh, that was a behind-closed-doors match in early December 2020. Uh, Taylor's last match in charge of Burnley was a 1-0 home win against Wolves in late April 2022. That was during Mike Jackson's brief spell as caretaker manager. Lovely stuff. Super Mike Jackson, he knows what we need. Okay, so first question when we think ahead to the game, and we've got some general concerns, Robbie, I think, about our chances against Sean Dash as Everton. Um, but the pressing question, which I think we need to address before doing anything else, who on earth are we going to get to play at left-back? Uh, I imagine it would be Bettini or, and then Roberts slotting it right back. That's yeah. my, that's my, I think that's, that's the my only option, primary thought. That's my primary thought, or whether he will go with Delphar, like he did, uh, early season. I think he and clearly Delphar play on the left. He did against Villa. Yeah, he's a left sided right, centre back, isn't he? Ah, no, he's okay, left sided. So, ah, okay. For some reason, I thought he was okay. Mm. So Does that, that makes more sense. That to me I makes think... more sense for putting somebody who's naturally left-footed on the left side rather than, or then do you, I guess what do you do? Do you sacrifice the dominant foot for naturally yeah, playing think, in that position? I think well, Fatinio's got experience playing left back for us anyway because he's That's done that I mean. numerous yes, times in the championship. Uh, but playing Del Quart left back will give us an advantage. Well, will make more sense in terms of defending set pieces, the aerial battles. And probably having more of a, a, a third centre back, so to speak, might make sense. I mean, I, I, I do think you'll go with Vitinho just for. I don't think Vitinho deserves. Oh, might he, but he probably won't lose his spot anyway. Vitinho's had, yeah, no, he, yeah. no, he doesn't. And, and I agree at the moment, I think he's earned that right. So I guess my, my question mark becomes given how well Vitinho has played and could right back. Just keep him right back and play Del Quarto. Yeah, yeah. I just don't. Like it, it uh, yeah, it, it's a difficult one. It's a mm. difficult one. Um, we saw, um, sorry, just uh, it just popped into my head. Then we saw Alder Kill play as left back during preseason. Oh, I, 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 I yeah, saw it in a couple first couple of games in the season, didn't we? So, yeah, we're seeing right in the back Premier League. Yeah. Was it right back? He played. Yeah, let's yeah. let's let's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's, no, we, we say no. <laughs> on behalf of on behalf of none and ever, we say no to um, Alder Kill. Um, Although that, to be fair, I have got him on in my fantasy Premier League, so maybe I've just not been. I've been too lazy. Oh, to you know what? You know what I've done in terms of fantasy. Go on. I've used my I've used my wild card and I've transferred in Tarkovsky and Dwight McNeil and Captain Dwight McNeil. Wow. <laughs> I just know for those corners, he disappears for like three years and he comes back into the family and then just completely... Do you know what? I hope we absolutely tonk him out. I hope that oh, Tarkovsky so gets yeah, sent yeah, yeah. off. We score seven. Yeah, yeah, same. And yeah, McNeil... Same. Yeah. I hope it happens too. But I've just got I've got my, <laughs> my insurance policy there. So if McNeil, when it, 
McNeil inevitably scores, well, gets two assists from corners, and Tarkovsky scores a couple. That's my insurance policy that he's put me top of wow. the uh, fancy football league. I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely just, I'm offended to the core by that. Um, how are you feeling then generally about, obviously we've got Dash coming back. It's going to be a very emotional day having our previous manager back. He said himself this week, he's not particularly um, sentimental about things like this. He's here to do a job. We're always looking forward to seeing some people, the exact response we all expected from Sean Dash. So nothing new there. Mm-hmm. Um does it sting a little bit more to get beat by a Everton side that's got Sean Dash at the helm, Tarky, McNeil? And if he hadn't been injured, Tarky, um, mm. what's he called? Michael Keane would have come in, but he's picked up a knock, so we don't think that's going to happen. But will that sting a little bit more, or should we not worry about that? No, it will sting. I don't want to be there. It. Yeah, I don't want to be there when it's going to happen. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's going to... Uh, it's not only going to sting, it's going to, it's going to hurt everybody. And... Depending on the manner in which we lose, it could get a bit like toxic in the sands. We'll lose heavily. I'm, I am worried about that, but then also uh, performances have been really improved recently, yeah. and there's a stability yeah. in the side. Yeah, I think we've been better against the sort of teams around us, so to speak. I know Everton have had a 10 point deduction and probably shouldn't be anywhere near us, but there should be, we have, we, yeah, we have been better against you know. Uh, but Wolves away was pretty positive, and you know Forest away was positive, Luton away was positive. So I think we've got enough. I've mind you, I just Bournemouth and Brentford are awful, weren't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah no, no, yeah, we've got to get tonks. That's it. The base over. Well, that that's that's terribly useful. Thank you for that, that Robin. Yeah, yeah. How do you feel, Dave? Are you are you feeling confident at all? I think it'll be a closer game. I think it'll be a little bit cagey. I think we we've obviously lost them once already this season. We got knocked out of the um, the League Cup at Goodison Park. Um, uh, but I think this will be a closer game. I think we've kind of tightened up a little bit since then. Mm. And I think that Sean Dyche isn't going to come with a side that's going to be playing expansive football and 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 winning three or four and trying to win three or four nil. I think it will be a closer game, um, and I think it might actually be a draw. Dave, I love it. That's a good point, actually. We'll get possession, which we don't, we haven't been mm-hmm. getting a lot of recently. So that that we can do. Go on then, Robbie. Give me a sensible score prediction. Uh, can I be honest? <laughs> yeah, go on. No, I, 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 I will say one 0 Everton. Okay, I'm going to say one 0 Burnley. I think we're going to, I think we're going to do a dash on him, and we're going to. We're going to yeah, survive. Be really, really good. Uh, listeners, let us know your score prediction, please, through the usual social media channels, or you can email us at previewshow at noneandever.net. Uh, Dave, before we move on to finish off, can you please dig deep into those pockets of yours and let our listeners have your miscellaneous stats of the week? Uh, yeah, I think I've got a relevant one for us this week. Uh, with the return to Turf Moor this weekend of Sean Dyche, our stat of the week concerns itself with returning managers and specifically the five previous permanent Burnley managers who left the club during the current millennium. Stan Turner never came back to Turf Moor as an opposition manager after his contract was not renewed at the end of the 2003-04 season, although Burnley did lose to his Gillingham side at Priestfield in April 2005. Uh, We had to wait three and a half years for Steve Cottrell's first match back at Turf Moor as a manager after leaving us in November 2007. Uh, That was as Portsmouth boss in April 2011 in a match that finished as a 1-1 draw. 
Owen Coyle had to wait just nine months to bring his Bolton Wanderers side to Turf Moor in September 2010 uh, for a League Cup third round tie, and Burnley won that match 1-0. Brian Laws has never been to Turf Moor as an opposition manager since he was sacked in December 2010. And finally, Eddie Howe's first match back at Turf Moor as an opposition manager after he'd left to rejoin Bournemouth in October 2012 was just over 12 months later with the Cherries in November 2013, and that match also finished as a 1-1 draw. Lovely stuff, lovely stuff. Okay, um, FPL reminder, please, for all our FPL managers out there who do take part in the non and ever fantasy Premier League. Friday night football is back this weekend as Nottingham Forest take on Spurs at the City Ground in an 8pm kickoff. So your deadline for getting your transfers in out and make your captain choices will be at 6.30pm on Friday. Uh, Dave, quiz answers, please. We asked our listeners to name uh, Burnley players who had played appearances, more than 50 appearances for both Everton and Burnley. Who were we supposed to be thinking of, please? Yes, we wanted the uh, six players other than... Um, we've mentioned already Michael Keane, James Tarkovsky, and also Dwight McNeil, who will we expect will make his 50th league appearance for Everton at the weekend. The other six uh, former players are uh, Aaron Lennon, 74 oh, league appearances. Oh, yeah, of course. 65 for Everton. Uh, Harry Potts, 165 for Burnley, 59 for Everton. Uh, Dave Thomas, 157 for Burnley, 71 for Everton. Tony Grant. 141 for Burnley, 94 for Everton. Uh, Trevor Stephen, 76 for Burnley in the early part of his career and 210 for Everton later on. Uh, and Adrian Heath, 120 for Burnley. Of course. And excellent, excellent. Thank you, Dave. Some fantastic legends in that list. Uh, Dave, any community news that you need to pass on to our listeners before we go? Uh, yeah, I was just going to mention the uh, session they've got at Burnley Central Library uh, again on uh, this Saturday afternoon. Uh, ahead of home games, uh, they've been showcasing the uh, the new section they've opened down there. Lots of Burnley memorabilia programmes, books, and they've also got a representative coming along from the National Football Museum on uh, on Saturday lovely. afternoon. If you've got an hour or two to spare between 1pm and 4.30pm, that's uh, downstairs at uh, Burnley Central Library. That's right in the centre of Burnley, near to the bus station, if you don't know uh, where that is. No, that's really useful. I'm definitely going to try to get there on Saturday, actually, although I've still got quite a lot of things to do for Christmas, so who knows. Um, OK, that is all we have time for this week. My thanks go to Robbie and to Dave in the studio for giving their thoughts ahead of that game and to our opposition uh, fan, Ian, for giving his views for the Everton game. To regular panellist Tom, who gave us that update on the women's um, FA Cup exploits. Uh, the tie for the FA Cup fourth round proper, where we drew Birmingham City at home, championship side, one league above us, a very winnable game, will be the 14th of uh, January. And that's the day before the looting game. So it won't be played on the turf. It will be at Leyland, but do keep an eye out for that. Support the women. Um, we'll be back next week looking back at that um, Everton result and hoping that we can get uh, some more points on the board. That would be very, very good. We'll all be very happy. And we'll be back with a preview show ahead of the Claret's next fixture. So keep an eye out on social media for those publishing times. Um, good Godspeed to everybody coming to Turf Moor on Saturday. Let's give Sean Dash a real royal welcome um, back to the club. And let's cheer the boys on and create that atmosphere to remind them what they're missing. I've been Natalie Bromley. This has been the preview show brought to you by the None and Ever podcast. Until next time. The Known and Ever podcast is brought to you in association with the TalkSport Fan Network. 
Our host and editor is Natalie Bromley, and the show is produced by Matt Moss. Our resident statistician is Dave Roberts, and our FPL expert is Adam Dennett. The analysis show team is collectively Tom Whitaker, Rich Steele, George Poole, Charlotte Rigby, and Adam Dennett. Our music is provided by George Gaskell, and our newsletter team is headed up by Jamie Smith. If you don't already, you can subscribe to our newsletter by visiting nonanever.substack.com. Thanks as ever go to our partners, TalkSport. We are proud to be associated with the TalkSport Fan Network. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.